Hi, this is Linda Day George, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential. Radio talk show about television. Kat Kramer will join us in our second hour. Kat Kramer, one of the daughters of Stanley Kramer and an accomplished performer and producer in her own right. Kat appears in an uplifting new movie that is now available for viewing on demand. We'll tell you about that. We'll also ask her if she has any favorite films of her father that she might recommend watching or revisiting during this time of sheltering in place. Kat Kramer will join us in our second Hour. We hope you'll stay tuned for that. Our first hour will include a conversation with Emmy Award-nominated writer and producer Phil Savinick. Phil spent 35 years working in television and creating television before devoting the last 15 years of his life to preserving the history of television and particularly the legacy of Philo Farnsworth, the man who created television. Phil has created a virtual museum that you can see online that not only includes many artifacts of Philo Farnsworth, but the most impressive collection of vintage TV sets you will ever see. Phil Savinick will join us later on in this hour. We'll be able to stay tuned for that as well. In the meantime, Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us as they bring us this week in TV history. Tony's segment, as always, brought to us by our friends at Story Salon, Southern California's longest-running, regularly performing live storytelling ensemble. StorySalon.com, Facebook.com forward slash Story Salon. This particular segment of This Week in TV History originally aired in May 2011. There was a slight technical issue that affected the sound level of one of our microphones. We did our best to fix the problem in post-production and apologize for any inconvenience. We have May 4th, 1975. That was a sad day for a lot of young boys in the sense, you know, one of their TV icons died, Mo Howard from the Three Stooges. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, like, like a lot of us, you know, who, you know, who, who grew up um, in the late 60s, early 70s, first discovered um, the Three Stooges on UHF stations. In my case, uh, KBHK Channel 44 up in San Francisco. They used to show the old, they, they, they used to show the Three Stooges every weekday, and they, they would do like a, a one-hour block on Sunday mornings. Yeah, I had it on KODC, uh, I think KOEC uh, out here, Channel 52, I believe it was, in Los Angeles for a long time, and they were they were bundled with the Little Rascals. So you mm-hmm. had like three Little Rascals shorts, three Three Stooges shorts, and then later on the syndicated cartoon series was, was put in that slot. Uh, they had a, I, I remember they had a... I, re- I seem to remember a CBS one. I don't remember. I'm well, the, the CBS one they did after all the guys died, there was one called The Three Robotic Stooges. That's right. Which uh, I thought uh, it was Mo Larry Curly. Yeah, but- I mean, I, 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 Don, Don is kind of you know, uh, you know puz- looking puzzled. I, don't, I didn't understand I why they did re- that either. I don't even remember that. I mean, that- it sounds. How did it do? How many seasons? I think it did one season. One season. And they only did like 13 episodes, and then they looped them for like a year. And they were kind of like they were they were not, weren't so much like bionic. They were kind of like Dino Mutt. It yeah. looked like they took the Three Stooges. They were superheroes, and they they could do stuff like Dino Mutt would do. Yeah. Um, uh, I, now I do want to get the 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 voiceover talent, which I don't know who it is at at this point in time, did spot on impress, impressions of the guy. In the late sixties, there was one that was voiced by Mo Larry and Curly Joe Dorita. At, in the early sixties. Yeah. Yeah. 
For television. For television. So it was like one of the few times that you saw you know, on television the Three Stooges in color. I, I don't remember that particular show, but I do, I do remember the shorts, which, which were run all the time. In fact, um, which were done by Columbia and then syndicated for television through Screen Gems. Yeah. My friend Brian Copeland, very popular radio personality and television personality up in San Francisco, he posted on Facebook the other day, he said, maybe this is a guy question, but Curly or Shemp? I happen to be of the Curly school. Why? He's the one, I think, uh, that was just more iconic. He's the one that I remember best from my childhood. And and Shemp, although I I have nothing against him personally, I think Shemp uh, was an incredible talent. And uh, sadly, he he couldn't get a go as a solo performer or as a serious actor. Uh, Shemp also started with the act early on. But I think just when they hit a certain stride, it was Curly who was the iconic, uh, you know, figure that was uh, the one that I think. I think he also, considering my age, I think Curly just had a better connect with the kids. Well, for for me, I mean, I I agree. I mean, I I agree. I mean, for for most for for, for most fans of the Stooges, it's it's Larry Curly and Mo. Mo. But um, as, I, as, I I will say um, to a lot of my comedian fans uh, friends who have more of a, a physical comedy background, uh, you know, uh, that were much more students of, like, Buster Keaton mm-hmm. and Harold Lloyd, and they would bring that to the stage, especially in, in the 80s during the boom. They were more Shemp uh, aficionados. For me, it was, and, and, and to me, I say Shemp for the same reason I say Dick Sargent over Dick York. It was the stu- And I'm a Dick York uh, fan, yeah. Yeah, well, and, and, and for me, I, you, for whatever reason... Um, when when I first started watching the Stooges on, on on television, I tended to gravitate towards the ones with Shemp versus the ones with Curly, and maybe it's because I saw more of the Shemp ones than the Curly ones. But you know, Shemp was always the Shemp was always my preference. Yeah, to me, also Curly was much more of a force of nature, mm-hmm. and he was larger than life. And I think I I think as a kid, he had the childlike quality, just like the same way that I think kids connected to Lou Costello. Yeah. Uh, you you kind of saw uh, you, you had an understanding with that character, just like later on we would connect with Herman Munster, you know, because you know you basically saw an overgrown child, and so I think you know at least for my age group, I think Curly was. Did you connect the man. with the, Did you did, with any of them? I was a girl. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here in awe of this. For me, it was WXIX in Cincinnati, and I watched the Stooges for a few summers because. That's what was on. Yeah. And I still sat there going, I don't get it. Now, as an adult, I appreciate the physical comedy. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. It's genius. It's still beyond me. I could sit and enjoy the little rascals. I mean, I couldn't understand why the children were acting like adults and the adults were acting like children. It made no sense to me. And I don't, I don't think I'm the only female who had a problem with the Stooges. Well, I think... What you said in the beginning, uh, sad day for a lot of little boys, I mean. Yeah. Now, there, there, there are three points I do want to make sure. about the Stooges, because, uh, first of all, there is a Stooge movie, and I, I had just heard Jane Lynch has signed on to, to be part of that project. So we're going to hear more about that. Sure. I in, in the last couple of weeks, for some reason, just in conversations... Um, about stars and legacies and estates and all that. The the subject of the Stooges have come up mm-hmm. because there were some legal issues with the heirs. And uh, just the other night we were talking about certain uh, iconic uh, figures 
whose heirs are getting more money from the likenesses of these stars right. now than when those stars were alive. And the subject of the Stooges always comes up because they only made so much from the Columbia shorts, but then when they got syndicated to television, Screen Gems didn't pay them anything because they felt that they weren't owed anything, but they grew, and then they made the movies and the personal appearances, and they uh, got a lot of money, and they're still on T-shirts and lunchboxes now. So, so the estate makes, must make millions every year. And, and there was some contention a few years back with the heirs. Yeah, uh, I know uh, our mutual friend Stu Shostak has. Um, I think he's had Joan Howard on yeah. uh, uh, on his program on, on a couple occasions. I believe Joan has a book coming out or is working on. I think she has. Yeah, I think she has a book coming out. And I know that is that that is a you know, sore spot among you know, different members of the family. Uh, yeah, different heirs of uh, the Fine family, the Dorita family. Funny coincidence, however you want to look at it, uh, the one of the attorneys handling the legal dispute is Bella Lugosi Jr., <laughs> which I, I find hysterical. Yes. But you know, just on that subject, the Lugosi uh, family, the Carla family, sure. the Cheney family—they're all you know, full-time jobs, mm-hmm. just maintaining the legacies. And finally, if you go to YouTube, look up uh, Mo and uh, Mo Howard and Mike Douglas. I was going to say that because at at the same time, uh, I, I I remember watching at the same time watching them on on uh, local television, the reruns of the original Stooges. Mike, I mean Mo would Mo was a regular on the Mike Douglas yeah, show the last few years of his life, and they would they towards would, really like near the end. Yeah, and. And it was always fun because because he was I mean he still had the mo haircut even though he was white yeah but uh, but and and he still had the timing but it was just amazing because um, you would you would watch the Three Stooges every day and you would and you would you're used to mo mo in this character and then to see this gentle old man um, but he still had it and and I would see bits with him and Mike Douglas yeah. or Ted Knight mm-hmm. who was a huge fan yeah. or Soupy Sales. And they would do like pie throwing, and he would walk these people through the choreography and go step by step. Yeah. And when Larry, and, and this was around the time, you know, he was doing this around the time that Larry died, but Mo would also, when they were doing personal appearances mm-hmm. and they would be on kids' shows across the country, you know, they took the time to tell kids, this is how we did it. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, and the Stooges were so badly uh, blamed. For kids hurting themselves, right. and he would, you know, they actually spent time saying, you know, this is how we would get the shot. The camera would be here. This is what we did with our fingers. This is how we pretended to do the poking in the eyes, and and you know that this is, you know, basically saying this is not something you should be trying at home. Right. This is how we really did it. Be like stuntmen saying this is how you do the fall, you know, and so don't do this at home because you know we're trained professionals. And Mo on one of the Mike Douglases actually, uh, you know, answered a letter, you know, where they were blamed, you know, like, and uh, the head of, uh, you know, like one of the school boards actually wrote a statement in favor of the Stooges saying, you know, if your kids are doing this stuff, don't blame the Stooges, blame the parents. That's right. And this is somebody that was very high up in, uh, in, in the Board of Education, you know, some, somebody who had, you know, a certain political standing. And took a great risk in saying, yeah, let's not blame the Stooges, let's blame the parents. And he read it and people applauded. And it was great. As a kid growing up in Hollywood, my friends and I always knew, uh, you know, okay, that's a rubber hammer. Mm -hmm. Now, we didn't realize the concept of post-production that later on somebody would hit a symbol 
you know, and and it would be edited into the. We we assumed there was a sound effects guy just off the camera, right? That's making the sound effect. But we understood. Oh, it's a rubber hammer, and there's a sound effects guy that that does something. We understood it the whole time. We would kind of analyze the Stooges, like you know, the Zabruder film, mm-hmm. practically. And so growing up, and said, I heard, oh, what? There's this kid in Cleveland who's in the hospital because he's doing. Said, this guy's an idiot. Mm-hmm. So even at Not ten, well, a sophisticated kid in Hollywood differs from a kid in the Midwest. I mean, back in Ohio, I thought it was real. I mm-hmm. thought it was crazy. And perhaps if I would have known, you know, if I would have been sophisticated enough that this is choreographed, these are professionals. Maybe I could but, have enjoyed it. But I'm giving the ten-year-old perspective of a kid in Hollywood. It just surprised the heck out of me that. If we knew this stuff, why don't other... Then again, you know, a couple of years later, we all knew Rock Hudson was gay, and we were shocked to find out that America went bonkers when that re- revelation came out. So, well, yeah, there is a different sophistication. Well, but, but, but uh, go, go, going, back to, um, go, going back to Mo and Mike Douglas, and uh, the fact that he would, not, not, not just on, on Mike Douglas, but go, just go, when, you were, when you were mentioning how um, they would go to, I mean, they would... Um, Explain to kids how they did this and don't don't do this at home, but this is you know this is what we do in make believe. It's it's it goes back to what we were saying in one of our previous um, programs about responsible use of celebrity. I mean, knowing that people they're they're still very popular, knowing that um, you you kids are trying to emulate them and 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 they're and they're catching flack. Is it okay? Look, don't do this. Yeah, I think I think we've we've lost that uh, in in modern media. When when kids see adults on the Jerry Springer show beat the crap out of each other, and this is how we resolve conflict, and uh, it, I think I think kids had a better context. You know, this is all done for a joke, and at the end, you know, it's it's no more, conf- you know, uh, confrontational than a Roadrunner Coyote cartoon. At the end of the day, you know they're going to come back for another episode. You know nobody was hurt. Attention timeshare owners, this is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contract. Our experienced partners are offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. You'll never pay another timeshare maintenance bill again, and all your obligations will be terminated. You can begin saving today. Even if you've tried another company to get rid of your timeshare, call and see if we can help you. At the Timeshare Exit Hotline, we only accept payment after an agreement has been made to get you out of your timeshare. Make this complimentary free call and learn how our honest partners can help anyone, anywhere, legally get out of their timeshare nightmare. 800-715-6093-800-715-6093-800-715-6093. That's 800-715-6093. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer 
or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.